This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Tom Offerman, Jacob Brecht, and Kellen Gersky with you here on another episode of the Steelers Standard. On this episode of the Standard, we are going to talk about the Steelers' playoff potential for 2021 because it's like a 99% deal in my mind that Big Ben is coming back now. And I think on an episode we did maybe two weeks ago, I was leaning more towards Big Ben not coming back. But things change aggressively in the NFL offseason and with your Pittsburgh Steelers. So now that Ben is back... It looks like the goal to rebuild is going to be put on the back burner for yet another season. If you have Ben Roethlisberger under center, the goal is to, I think, at least try to win a Super Bowl. And I think the Steelers' goal is always going to be to win a Super Bowl. At least that's what they're going to say outwardly. I guess I'd start here by saying, is that really a realistic goal for the Steelers in 2021 is to be a Super Bowl contender? Um, Before I answer that question, I think you're right in saying that um, this is what the Steelers are trying to do. And, and if you have Ben Roethlisberger, and I will say this, I think Ben is their best chance to win. Does that mean that I think they're a Super Bowl contender? No. Um, let, let's be honest here. This team was 11-0 last year, and then they finished 12-4 and and then lost in the first round to the Cleveland Browns, who I think the Browns, with that win, proved that they're a better team than the Steelers. Um, but no, I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination – that they are a playoff team. Um, they're not a playoff. I, well, I shouldn't say that they're not a playoff team because I think they could maybe sneak their way in as a six or seven seed. Tom, I think you've said that a few times on this show. Like that might be their ceiling next year is a six or seven seed because when you got to play uh, or when you got to contend in the AFC against you know teams like Cleveland and Baltimore, those are both in your division. Teams like Indianapolis, who has probably gotten better by the addition of, of Carson Wentz, or at least they've stayed the same. And then you look at the Bills, and there's other teams. that We mentioned the Chargers are going to be good next year. Um, and then, of course, you have the Chiefs, too. I don't know where the Steelers fit into that. Um, and I know that this is their goal is to win a Super Bowl now. And, and, and as long as you have Ben, you should probably try to win. He gives you your best chance to win. But let's be honest here. They're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. They're, they're just not. I, I don't – unless by some – you know, miracle, they, you know, they go on a crazy run in the playoffs, which, you know, that that's the age old thing. If you get to the playoffs, you have a seat at the table, right? It's like playing poker. If you have a seat at the table, you have a chip. You always got a shot. But I don't think it's a very realistic shot. I mean, no, nothing is is ever out of the question, right? So you have to say that there's a possibility of their of them making a deep playoff run. The one thing I will say to kind of calm the people who are are doubters of the Steelers' potential this coming season is no one saw them going 11 and 0 to start the season. Now we all know where that 11 and 0 finished. Did anybody up. see them going one and five after? No, that, of course though. not. Yeah. But with Ben coming back, I think people expected this team to maybe come out of the gates a little bit slow. With Ben coming back for the first time in over a year without football. But they, I mean, they came out swinging. They came out hot, and we we certainly appreciated eleven and zero while we were eleven and zero. Of course, the following month wasn't as great, but I don't know if because of what happened last year that gives you that should give you an an air of of optimism for this season because we had low expectations last year. Now it was a different story with Ben coming back. We didn't know what he was going to be capable of doing with the surgery. Now a year later, it's okay. We saw what he did, but he really trailed off and the team kind of trailed off at the end. It's the expectations for this season should be 
we know what Ben can do. Are we able are we going to be able to use him efficiently and to our best advantage? So I know a lot of people are skeptic skeptic about what the Steelers could do this year, but I mean this this time last year no one saw an eleven in those season uh start to the season. So I would say that anything is possible. Well, I think that they're gonna always say the goal is to win a championship. Go the goal the is fences, to win a Super yeah. Bowl because that's just what the Steelers organization is about. Realistically, though, in my mind, the goal should be to make the playoffs and to win a playoff game. And Kellen, like you were kind of alluding to, I don't even know if they can do either of those things, uh, make the playoffs and then winning a playoff game that yeah. you'd presume would be on the road because I don't know if they're going to be able to win the division. I mean, there's two teams better than them exactly. in their division. So maybe both those teams' quarterbacks get devastatingly <laughs> sure. injured. The injury bug bites both those teams harder. Some strange thing happens and the Steelers end up the champion of the North. I think that's a little far-fetched, too. So you got to win a playoff game on the road. How do you do that from your 2020 roster into the 2021 roster? How do you improve uh, your playoff outlook? And they really have positions. They really have needs at every single position, I think, except for maybe wide receiver in the defensive line. Other than those two, I think that you could make the case that they need something at every single position group. Right. I mean, uh, we've outlined that. You know, we've, we've talked about the needs of the team that – um, basically position by position, and, and all three of us are pretty much on the same page with that. But I think you make a good point there that a lot of those teams that I mentioned that are going to be um, the upper echelon-type teams in the AFC, the Browns, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, um, even the Chargers maybe next year, um, I, those are those are teams that have a more complete roster than the Steelers do, in my opinion, um, because there's not many holes on those. I know that the Steelers, like like you said, Tom, they're good at wide receiver. Even if Juju Smith-Schuster leaves, I think they're still good enough at wide receiver, especially with a Hall of Famer throwing them the ball. But I don't I don't really see them being able to compete um, for a playoff spot. And and um, I mean, you know, I understand why why Art Rooney said that. Uh, you know, on Tuesday that, that the Steelers, they want to bring Ben back to compete for a championship. And that's always going to be the Steelers mantra. That's always going to be the way they approach a season. I understand that. But at the same time, you haven't won a playoff game and you've won three playoff games in 10 years. Um, maybe the, the, the idea should be let's make a playoff run before you talk championship. I know that that's the way that GMs talk. I know that's the way that, that coaches talk. I understand that. But when you look deeper into it, there's a lot more things you have to accomplish first before you make it to a championship. And the Steelers, they haven't done that recently. Um, and I know this sounds like Debbie Downer by me, but um, and I'm not necessarily saying that Ben, I said it earlier, that Ben gives them the best chance to win. I, I don't think there's any question about that. But even with him, I don't think they're going to win uh, a Super Bowl or hell, even a playoff game next year. I'll go one further than you, Kellen. You're talking about let's make a let's win a playoff game before you win the Super Bowl. Let's make sure you make it to yeah, the postseason right. before you can even th start thinking about making a deep playoff run. Uh, yeah, but I mean, all you have to say really to combat anyone who's who's totally sold on this team doing a lot this year is is yeah, three playoff wins in ten years, and a lot of the three of those wins came in a five year window. Outside of that five year five year window, you have zero playoff wins in the other five years of this past decade, and that includes the playoff loss against the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh, Marquise Pouncey's last game as a Steeler. So there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical, and there are a lot of reasons that people should be a little optimistic, depending on what the Steelers do in free agency, if they can 
bring anyone in or retain as many pieces as they can and and possibly building around Ben Roethlisberger going after a, a stud running back maybe in the first round or doing a better job protecting him going after the offensive lineman. So you can make the argument for either side. But, yeah, I mean, the one argument that you can make uh, to to combat the the optimist here is that the Steelers haven't done anything to prove to anyone that they can make a deep playoff run. Well, as far as improving the roster to make that deep playoff run, or like you said, even just getting to the playoffs in the first place, I'm very high and I'm getting higher on the idea of drafting one of these top two running backs in the first round of the draft. It's a guy that Ben can rely on, and it's a guy that he can trust to help execute this offense that Matt Canada is going to bring in because I think a big key in the Steelers taking that step forward, making the playoffs and winning a playoff game is Ben committing to the offense that Matt Canada is trying to inject into the Steelers team. And, you know, I, I don't blame him when he changes every run-pass option to pass plays at the line whenever his running backs are James Conner or <laughs> Benny Snell. Yeah. If he has a Najee Harris or he has a Travis Etienne, he's probably going to be more attracted into giving that guy the rock and running Canada's offense the way that it's supposed to be run. Well, I think part of that, too, is that not only – um, do the defense does the defense not respect the running game of the Steelers? Because let's be honest, how could you last year, especially when Connor's down and you have Benny Snell? You know, and I know that I said that that Snell has kind of that niche role that the Steelers need, that every team kind of needs that short yardage power back. But if he's your feature guy and he's the guy that's sitting there first and ten or even you know third and two, whatever it is, the defense isn't going to respect the run. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there by bringing in one of those uh, first-round talents at running back is that not only will the defense respect him, but I think Ben would be forced to hand the ball off to him a couple of, uh, more, obviously, than, than he did last year, especially in those RPOs. Um, you know, Stan Saver had Mark Madden on today. Mark made that point that um, not only would the defense respect the running game, but I think if you bring in a um, a you know a, a first round type talent at running back, Ben would respect the running game a little bit more. And, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the right way to look at it if you're Ben Roethlisberger, especially last year, because we know what ended up happening, and you have to run the ball in some way, shape, or form. You don't have to be great at it but you have to rely on it at points. And I think that's something that really hurt the Steelers last year. And when you look at this upcoming year, if they're going to run the Canada offense and there's RPOs in there, like you mentioned, Tom, it can't be a pass every time you run an RPO. You have to mix it up. You have to allow the running back to run because, you know, um, I don't know if Ben didn't think about this last year or not, but it makes his job easier when you hand the ball off. I mean, I know that not every run game or every run play is going to work out and you're not going to gain 20 yards every run but at least it takes the pressure off of you, at least for a play or a couple plays during a drive. I mean, this is all contingent on who they have available at running back, right? If they don't go out and get one of the, the three guys that we've talked about in the first round, then and they don't go out and sign anyone of a respectable name, maybe like a Carlos Hyde even, it's not going to matter because you know if they don't get one of those pieces, the Steelers are just going to ignore the run entirely. Because they did it with this, the three guys they have on the team right now last year. So why would they do it any differently? And my concern, too, is if, if they do use that first-round draft pick on a running back and they do have the threat, as you, as you said, Kellen, that Ben would be forced to respect it, that we still saw a lot of times when this past year when James Conner was having a hot game or, or the one or two games of the season where Benny Snell was having a good performance, that Ben still would kind of used those RPOs as and went with a pass option even. He, he even if the guy had the hot hand, if Connor had the the hot hand that day, 
Ben would still kind of tend to go in the pass option if it was an RPO call. So, yes, it's a contingent on who the Steelers will have uh, in the running back position to start week one. And if they have the guy, it, it then further goes to Ben. Will he actually use the person available to him? Well, I get more and more inclined to lean towards running back in the first round because I'm also starting to think. Yeah, do, you, do you have a preference, like either of you? I know this is ex- exactly where we're going, but do you have a preference either way when it comes to one of the running backs? Yeah, Najee Harris is the best one, I think. But I think he is more likely to be gone, and I don't want them to shy away from him being off the board and to not take a running back because I think it right. can be just as effective. Yeah, I think it's Harris too, but in all these mock drafts that we've been doing together and separately, it seems that, Tom, that... Najee Harris has been kind of floating around in the 20s. He, he's not always – I'm not saying he's always there. But There's he, a stretch of the football team, the Bears, and the Dolphins that I think are – that's the dead leaf spot yeah. right there. Like that's yeah, the I don't know. David them. Montgomery had a really strong end to his season. The Dolphins definitely could be the a Dolphins problem. for sure. Yeah. The, the Dolphins, Dolphins, to me, pose as the number one threat. But I think one of them is going to be there at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Either Harris or Etienne, and but – I don't really have a preference either. I was just asking, like, because I think I think either one is going to help that that situation that we right. keep talking about. Like, either one of them is going to come in and it's going to make a defense respect a running game all of a sudden. I mean, I remember in 2013 when the Steelers drafted Le'Veon Bell, the two names floating around they weren't as high as Harris and ATM, but it was Le'Veon Bell and Eddie Lacy. And I remember thinking, uh, in the in the entire combine process and. Their last year playing in college, uh, they came into the draft together. I remember thinking Eddie Lacy was the better option uh, than Le'Veon, and the Steelers went with Le'Veon even though Eddie Lacy was still on the board. And I remember kind of thinking, I I didn't really think that this was going to be the guy that they went after if, if, if Eddie Lacy was also available. And it turned out that Eddie Lacy put on all that weight uh, two or three years into his career. So... I mean, both of these guys definitely could be game-changing because Eddie Lacy was, for the first two, three years of his career, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2013. But I mean, who knows? It, it's, it's a guessing game as to whether or not one of these two guys will have the longer, more impressive career. Well, I'm getting more confident in them putting together a quality offensive line, so that's why I lean more towards taking one of these two in the first round. Uh, I think they have the potential, actually, the more and more I think about it, to have one of the best guard tandems in the NFL. If DeCastro can wake up and and play to the potential that we know he can and Dotson continues to improve like he can, then they'll be solid at guard. It's the filling in between that guard sandwich that's the big question mark. The center is just not on the roster, whereas the tackles, I think, could be on the roster. Big Al, look, he really wasn't that impressive in his past two seasons as a Steeler anyway. So letting him walk and saving a lot of money on him's replacement being Zach Banner, that's not going to hurt you that much because I think Zach Banner is going to be able to at least be just as average as Big Al was last year, and it's probably going to be hard for him to get any worse. And you've got some experience with Chooks at tackle, so it's really that center that is a problem. And I think it's a decent class for center. I think you could get a good one in the second round after you take a running back in the first round that Quinn Minerts from Wisconsin Whitewater. I think he'll definitely be there in the second round. You might have to reach a little bit to pick him if you really like him, but I still don't think it's out of the question that one of the bigger centers like the Creed Humphreys from Oklahoma will still be sitting there in the second round when or, you make that pick. Right. Or the kid from Bama too. It's a hot commodity too. one of those guys. I think you have a pretty good shot of having either one of them there in the second round. And that's a type of, uh, of, you know, when you spend that type of capital on a guy that regardless of the position, 
you're expecting that guy to come in and play. You're expecting them to probably start in most cases. And obviously you're going to expect whoever you draft at center to come in and start because you don't have one um, on the roster right now. But your point about Banner is well taken. And I think um, I think we made this point a couple shows ago that, you know, Banner, don't forget, he was supposed to be a starter this year. I know he didn't have that starting year. He didn't have that year because he got hurt in the first game, but he did have that and he was supposed to be a starter. So I guess you can make the case that you would have a returning starter coming back. And I think that he's better than Al. And oh, by the way, he's a cheaper option than Big Al. Um, I just don't think Big Al was very good the last, you know, two maybe uh, definitely the last two years, he wasn't very good. And he was, like you said, Tom, pretty much average to below average. So I don't know if you can get much worse. And on top of that, Banner is going to be hungry um, to play well because he had his you know season taken from him, and a lot of people didn't think that he would be a starter anyway. So he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to have something to prove. So, you know, I agree with you that I really think that, you know, if you go into the, the season with – just that that new starter being at center, I don't think that the line is going to be that bad. I really don't. I don't either. I mean, especially if the one young guy is going to come in and have these, have a guy like DeCastro and have everyone, especially DeCastro, to kind of lead that unit because without Marquise Pouncey, the, the leader position has to be filled. And I think the only option the Steelers have right now is DeCastro. And I have no problem with a multi-all-pro um, all first-teamer being that leader for the unit. So no matter who the Steelers bring in in the draft, I have no problem if he's lining up next to DeCastro or at least lining up in the same line as DeCastro. So, yeah, I like that point, Kellen. And additionally, it all depends on what spin you put on the banner story. Is it, okay, yes, he was supposed to come in last year, and so this is just another guy that we felt comfortable with. That's a good thing. Or you could look at it from the opposite, which is he didn't play at all last year. And, you know, he was a great story. Obviously, the fans loved him when he was reported as eligible. And I think that had something to do with the Steelers bringing him in and and getting that deal done. But really, he hasn't had a lot of starting experience. So the the negative spin you could put on the banner story is, is he actually going to be effective when he's playing, hopefully, 14, 15, 16 games? Flipping it over to the other side of the ball, I think the question is starting to be asked if this really is a championship-caliber defense. Uh, They've given up almost 100 points in their last two playoff games. Granted, they were offensive uh, or defensive touchdowns from the the Jaguars and in the Browns uh, last year. And there's been some changeover between those two playoff losses because they missed out on the playoffs a couple years in between them. But they're losing Bud Dupree for sure. They might lose Vince Williams, Joe Hayden, Cam Sutton, Mike Hilton and Tyson Alu-Alu. Not all of that, but they're going to lose most of that, most likely. So now you have to call upon your depth when you don't really have that much depth to begin with in your defense, and you have to worry that that defense might take a step in the wrong direction next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a worry when you're losing as many pieces. You're not going to lose all of them, like you said, but you're going to lose some of them for sure. And I think the biggest one in that is Bud Dupree, um, a guy that, um, you know, we, we a lot of people, I should say, were kind of soured on what two years ago, and then all of a sudden he kind of returns to form and he's the player that everybody thought he was going to be. And then you see, oh, this is why the Steelers draft, this is what they expected. And now that you have him opposite of TJ Watt, all of a sudden you have a really good one two punch and it's a lethal front. Now you take half of that away. How does it work with T.J. Watt? How does it work? And I think we saw a lot of that down the stretch. T.J. was getting doubled a lot. He was getting chipped out of the backfield a lot. Zero sacks in that Cleveland game. Right. I mean, it's, it, you know, 
and I think people are kind of minimizing the, the fact that, uh, like, Bud leaving, and they might not, you know, miss him per se in, in the production category, don't get me wrong, but they're going to miss him when it comes to doubles on TJ. They're going to miss him taking attention away from TJ Watt, and that's not a slight on Alex Highsmith. That's just a fact. He's not as proven as Bud Dupree yet. He's just not. He's not, and another factor about how the defense will perform is how healthy will they stay, right? I mean, the big Achilles heel to the season last year for the Steelers' defense was once Devin Bush went down. Of course, losing Bud never helped, considering you had already lost Bush, but the defense was almost night and day uh, with without Bush, especially against the run. I mean, we saw those numbers against the run for the Steelers skyrocket to 100 yards plus every game almost uh, down the, the stretch of the season when, once Devin Bush went down. And, and uh, you know, the season before, we lost Stephon Tuitt six weeks into the season, five weeks into the season, and he was a big piece that was lost too. So, yes, I think the pieces are there. Obviously, without Bud Dupree, the Alex Highsmith conversation is is very interesting and in, in how that affects TJ's performance, but the rest of the pieces are there. It's just how healthy will they stay. As far as it being a championship-caliber defense, I, I think they have all the elements that that Tampa defense that really dominated that Super Bowl has. They get after the pass passer. They, they rush the quarterback extremely well. And they can force turnovers. They have dynamic players in their secondary. Uh, it's just that there's a little bit of holes that you might have to patch over because you're losing guys like Bud Dupree and maybe a Hilton or Sutton and maybe even a Hayden. So the problem, I think, is there's just so many problems on the offense that need to be fixed around Ben to give Ben the opportunity he needs to make the best run out of this, I presume, is his, this is for real his <laughs> yeah. last run right. at a Super Bowl. So it's really just hard to imagine the defense getting much love in free agency or the draft for me. And that's where I think they could try to overcorrect the offense and in turn not spend enough time on the defense to shore them up and get them to the point where they're not going to regress. And I think that's a great point. I think that's something um, for this, you know, this segment comes full circle now. Are the Steelers a playoff team uh, was the original question, the beginning of this segment. And I think the answer is no. And it goes to that point. Are they a Super Bowl contender? It goes to that point, Tom. I think the answer is no because of the fact that when you have a Hall of Famer coming back and he wants to come back and we're all under the assumption that he is now, um, you have to kind of build the team around him. You have to think, how do we make it his best last year? How do we make the offense better um, to make Ben go out on a high note? And when you do that, like you said, you might – put the defense on the back burner and when we you know we've talked about it a lot that the defense really at every position maybe minus the defensive line there's not a lot of depth there so um, if you lose a couple pieces all of a sudden those backups get elevated to higher roles and you know the defense gets put put on the back burner and that's kind of something that I mentioned um, you know right after the season was over that um, you know we talked about should Ben come back should he not this is what I meant when it said it could set the franchise back because when he does come back, you put a lot of attention on the offense. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should put attention on the offense when you have a Hall of Famer throwing the ball. But on the flip side of that, kind of puts the defense in harm's way too. Definitely puts the defense in harm's way. And that's the issue with this draft is that they, the Steelers only have so many picks and the headlines are saying that the offense is the higher priority. But – are they really going – we hope that they won't neglect the defense so much so that when the start of the season comes in September, they're just hanging by a thread in terms of if one guy goes down, that could be it. I mean, if, if Joe Hayden gets cut 
and Steve Nelson gets injured, that quarterback position is entirely wasted. I mean, that that is open season for opposing quarterbacks. So yeah, I, I agree, Kellen. It's it's almost a catch twenty two. Do you really go? Do you really try to fix your offense, or do you have? Do you try to kind of supplement your defense in a way that you're not left hanging like you were when Devin Bush went down and, and Bud Dupree went down? Well, I think to summarize the talk that we've had in this entire episode, I think it's clear that it's led us to the fact that the Steelers with Ben, no matter what, are going to be a fringe playoff team. They'll be in the race for the entire season, and they'll either slip in as the seventh seed or they'll be that eighth team left just outside the field. I think the ceiling is nine and seven at the best for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think nine and seven, you know, maybe ten and six if they get a bounce to go their way. But that's the best I can see them doing, especially because, you know, last year they they had what three more wins than what we're projecting. And a lot of people last year saw them as a nine or ten win football team. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you for listening to us here on SNR or for checking out the podcast at Steelers.com. On our next episode of Steelers Standard, Juju says he wants to be a Steeler for life. Is that likely or is it even possible? Also, what will the Steelers be losing in Juju and the rest of their free agents slash cap casualties that they will let walk? That's on the way in the next episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you for listening to Kellen Gursky, Jacob Brecht, and myself, Tom Opperman, right here on SNR and the podcast at Steelers.com.